So we've been going through this, <clears throat> this series in Acts, and, and we, we ended off with Ananias and Sapphira last week, and the portion, the, the, the last kind of words were, and the church was afraid. And, and then we, we, we start in verse 12, and, and things shift. There's a different kind of shift in momentum that takes place. And I've been reading through this and, and, and kind of just inquiring of God, Lord, what is it that you have to say to us? And the, the picture that I got was, um, I got this coffee machine this week, and, and I've been watching some YouTube videos on how to extract the right flavors out of coffee. I, I haven't got it 100% right by any means, but I'm learning. But, but I felt God saying, we need to extract out of the text what he has in store for us. What are we needing to get from this time that establishes something of him in our lives to equip us for the good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk into? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to Adventure Church for us in this area in, in impacting Tinley Manor. I loved that there was a lady from within Tinley Manor who came to the paint night. Um, we've, we've breached the, the, the boundaries of Palm Lakes. Um, John, I'm excluding you from that because um, even though he's been coming from Blythdale, but there's something of this region that we've breached the, the boundaries. And, and, and that stirs my heart. And, and as I was reading, I'm going to read through this passage of Scripture, and I want to take out one or two points, but I'm probably going to go in a vastly different direction to the purpose of the text, but there's something for us in here this morning that I really felt challenged by, and I want to share with us, and I want us to pray through and understand. So, Acts 5 from verse 12 to 42, and the, and the heading of the first part of this is many signs and wonders done. It ended off the previous part of it with the church was scared. Why? Because they had just witnessed an Ananias and Sapphira fall down dead before them. They had this, oh my word, what are we getting ourselves into? So it's now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. It's still going to be a people who lay on of hands. The laying on of hands, there's something of the impartation of what God is doing through the laying on of hands. Signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. I want you to remember that because that's going to be quite crucial. None of the rest dared join them. But the people held them in higher esteem. So there were the, the religious people of that time didn't want to be a part of what was going on here. I love this verse, verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that Pete, as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I remember hearing a testimony of Michael Eaton. Michael Eaton is probably one of the greatest theologians of our, our time. And he was leading a church out in Kenya. And a lady once came to him and said, my uncle is dying. And I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for, for prayer. And he says, well, can I go with you? She says, no, it's too far away. But pray over this handkerchief. And just pray over this. And he thought, well, it's in Scripture. Why not? Um, you're going to know that this is a, an elderly British gentleman who's a theologian. He prays over this, and this lady leaves. 
And I don't know if it was weeks or months later, he heard testimony that she arrived at the hospital to find out that her uncle had died. And they were wheeling him past and wouldn't let her get close to him. So she took the handkerchief, threw it on him, and he sat bolt upright. Something of the, the manifestation of God at times when we least expect it. And, and the thing that Michael Eaton said, he didn't even know if he had what he had faith for in that time. He was just being obedient. And, and yet God had a plan and God had a purpose. Um, so it says, The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I love the, the word all. They were all healed. Verse 17, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, And go and stand in the temple, so that's the same place, Solomon's portico, and speak to the people all the words of this life. Life is in capital L. All the words of this life. Do we understand the significance of the opportunities to speak the words of this life, capital L? To people. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senators of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and port reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed and uh, about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, "Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple." And teaching the people. You know, no matter what persecution and opposition we face, if God is in what we are doing, we cannot be held captive. There's something about, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to bring life and life in abundance. I've come to, to bring freedom, and we get to operate in that freedom, irrespective of the opposition we face. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. There was something of the crowd who were, who were listening and they were in, in, intently involved with what was happening, that even those who were wanting to bring opposition were afraid to do it by force. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Again, just... Make a little mental note. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This man being Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. If we can live by that statement and that statement alone, I tell you now we will walk into the fullness of the things that God has called us to. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. 
God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. Leader, capital L, savior, capital S. The lordship of Christ cannot be um, brought down to anything less than what it is. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. It's a gift given to us who obey Him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, now you'll see later on that uh, Paul was trained, or Saul was trained by Gamaliel. He was the one who sat under Gamaliel's teaching. So, and, and he says, rose up in the days of, uh, sorry, let me, wrong one. A teacher of the law held in honor by all the people stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400 joined him. He was killed and all who followed him dispersed and came to nothing. So he's seeing that this could be one of those times where this might just be a faction of people that raise up, it's going to get thwarted, the plans are not going to prevail, and they, they might come to nothing. It says, after him Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some more people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Something of incredible wisdom that came out in the statement. This might be like those guys. But we have an opportunity to see if this plan is of man or if this plan is of God. If it's of man, it's going to fail because God himself will sort it out. But if it is of God, we will not be able to stand against it. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. So they took his advice loosely. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. They charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The song that we're going to be going through in worship, and it says, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing, praise the Lord, that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I'm yet to get to that point in my walk where I think I would rejoice at being beaten up and persecuted for for preaching the name of Jesus. But they did. And every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. It's a beautiful passage of scripture, but something stood out for me. And as I've been praying, I'm saying, Lord, what is it that you want to share with us? And I think this is the third time we've 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 in the in Acts, and maybe the second time where Solomon's portico, or the portico at the temple, or where Solomon's portico is, has referenced in this. And I thought, well, there's something about that that's been bugging me since when we read about uh, Peter and John healing the man at the gates, beautiful, and then they were brought into Solomon's portico, and there they were addressed by the religious leaders. 
So David says in 2 Samuel 7, verse 1 to 7, Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. The ark of God, the presence of God, dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now this is a passage of scripture that the last time dad came and preached here, he preached something of this to us about the fact that God turns to David and says, you want to build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. And, and there were many blessings that came with this house. But the purpose of what David wanted to do is he wanted to build a permanent dwelling for the presence of God. Because he felt almost ashamed that he was living in a house where the presence of God was living in a, in a tent. We read in 1 Kings 5, verse 1 to 6, it says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon. Now Solomon has been anointed as king. It says, When he heard that they had anointed him as king in place of his father, for Hiram always loved David. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, You know that David my father could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the welfare with which his enemies surrounded him, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Okay, I want you to hear the wording here, that my father could not build a house for the name of the Lord. Fast forward to Solomon's portico, and what were the apostles being accused of? Sharing the name of Jesus in Solomon's temple. They were actually rebuked and told not to mention the name of Jesus in Solomon's portico. A temple built to house the presence of God and where the name of the Lord will be honored was the intention. It became a place of religion and persecution where the voice of God was silenced and the identity of God was mistaken. John 10 from 22 to 42 says, At the time of the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. The colonnade of Solomon is the same as Solomon's portico. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. It's amazing how... The, the signs and wonders that were performed in Solomon's portico in the time that came after this drew in the crowds and got them to a point of believing in Jesus. And here he's saying to the Jews, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up the stones. Where are they? Solomon's portico. The Jews picked up the stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for your blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law, I said, You are gods. Is it not written in your law, I said, You are gods. If, 
he called them gods to whom the word, and gods is all small g, the word of God, capital G, came, and scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God, capital S, capital G, I am the Son of God. If I am doing the works of my Father, capital F, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father, capital F, is in me, and I am in the Father, capital F. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. So, we as a church have been trusting for a venue. And this passage of scripture, I feel, is a caution to us of the intention of a house for God and how easily it is for this thing to sway away because of religion and not hearing his voice. So, as I was praying, I felt God share, and I've got 40 uh, points so we're going to get through them very quickly. But, and we don't have to take notes if you want them after. If there's something that you want to look at, you want to pray through, by all means, I'll give it to you. I'll print it for you. I'll send it to you. But there's something of this that I felt God say over us as we get a venue, what this house needs to represent. And, and we're going tomorrow to go look at a, a, a potential interim venue. I want to ask you now, if you can just pray into that. It's, it's, a, it's a wedding venue up the road, and we've got a meeting there just to see if this is a place where we can potentially start together in a corporate venue. And I think it's going to be a shift. We realize that if everyone who comes, comes at the same time, we're going to have a problem because we're not going to be able to fit them in here. So this is not in an order, um, but we'll, we'll go through them. One, a place where the presence of God will be evident. David wanted to make a house to house the presence of God. We need a place where the presence of God is evident. We went to a meeting with some um, uh, church leaders across this region a, little, uh, a week ago, two weeks ago. And a guy by the name of Greg Wegerly shared the breaking of bread. And he made a statement. He said, God loved... God, in His grace, protected us from the perfection required to be in His presence until the curtain was torn in two and the righteousness of Christ was bestowed upon us that we could walk into that presence with confidence. Um, God, in His love, protected us from the protection required to be in His presence. But then, Jesus died on the cross. The curtain... The, the curtain that separated the holy of holies was torn in two, and we get the confidence to enter the presence of God. So I say, conviction draws us close to God. Condemnation makes us feel unworthy. The moment we apply our own righteousness, we will always disqualify ourselves from the presence of God. But it's the righteousness of Christ that qualifies us. We need to be a place where the presence of God will be evident. Number two, a place where the word will be preached with boldness. We saw this with the early church. They prayed for boldness and they preached with boldness. A place where the full gospel will be shared without compromise. 
We cannot water down the gospel message because we will be doing a disservice to ourselves and those who hear it. A place where the Lordship of Jesus will reign. Number five, a place where the needs of the saints will be met. We saw this last week as how they gathered and they brought their, their offerings so that not one of them was in need amongst them. Six, a place where leaders will be set apart. Acts, Holy Spirit says, as they were worshipping and fasting, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have appointed them to. Number seven, a place of authenticity. The definition of authentic is worthy of, it, of acceptance or belief as conforming to or based on fact. We need to be a place that conforms to and is based on Jesus. Conforming to an original so as to reproduce essential features. As we conform to Jesus, so there will be a reproduction of the essential features of who he is. To, make, to know Jesus and to make him known. Made or done the same way as an original. Not false or imitation, but real and actual. True to one's own personality, spirit or character is sincere and authentic with no pretensions. You need to be a place that's authentic. Number eight, a place of true worship with thanks, thankfulness and praise. A place of true worship with thankfulness and praise. Number nine, a place where the bride of Christ will be prepared. Number ten, a place where emotional, physical and spiritual healing will take place. And I, I want to even say not just take place, but we become the norm of what we do. Number 11, a place of prayer. Number 12, a place of restoration. Jesus, going back to a place of prayer, Jesus emptied the temple. He says, because my Father's house will be known as a place of prayer. So something that's important for us. Number 13, a place where captives are set free. Number 14, a place where dreams for the nations will be established. I'm trusting that as we sit here and we hear stories of Kenya, something will stir, and maybe it's not Kenya. Remember Rob Forbes had a, a, a dream, and he said, Lord, send me to a nation that has no McDonald's. And he planted a church in Mongolia. Something of the some area. How, how did he determine his some area? Send me to a place that has no McDonald's, because he knew if they had no McDonald's, they wouldn't have a Jesus. He went to Mongolia and he got to plant a church in Mongolia. Number 15, a place of unity. One heart and one vision. You know that where there's unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. Number 16, a place that will be shaken by Holy Spirit. We see this throughout Acts. The place that they were dwelling in was shaken as they were praying and they were worshipping when the Spirit came. And met with them. Number 17, a place where believers will be added. Once again, I, I trust that this will not be the odd occasion, but this will be something that is a regular occurrence. Number 18, a place where disciples will be equipped. Dad made the statement that Kenya has been over-evangelized and under-discipled. We don't want to just bring in converts, we want to make disciples. 19, a place where gifts and anointing will be imparted by the laying on of hands. 
Paul says to Timothy, do not neglect the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands by the, by, by the body of elders. We want to trust for impartation and anointing to come into the lives of people. Number 20, a place where the souls will become Paul's. And I want to say even a place where the, the Benonis will become Benjamins. When, when, when um, uh, I think it was Rebecca or Rachel, one of the two, was having... Uh, uh, her son, she was dying in childbirth and she named him Benoni, son of my suffering. And the father walks in and says, no, I will call him Benjamin, son of my right hand. I'm trusting for people to come in here and be renamed as God establishes purpose and identity over them. A place of apostolic and prophetic input. I trust that we will never be a place that does not have and does not invite in the accountability of apostolic and prophetic input. A place where the broken will feel safe. A place where the lonely will find family. A place where the lost will find purpose. Number 25. A place of prophetic vision, mission and commissioning. Where there's no prophetic vision, my people cast off restraint. I think it's Proverbs 29, 18 if I'm not mistaken. We need to be a place of prophetic vision. What is that? Is That's where God is speaking to us and we're hearing Him and our vision is aligned with what He's saying. And in that, we establish our mission and there will be a commissioning. A commissioning is a, a releasing of people to fulfill the call that God has placed upon them. Number 26, a place of compassion for the hurting and love for the unlovable. I trust that anyone who walks into the place where we meet, that they will feel at home and that they will feel that they have a place. Number 27, a place that is multi-generational and multicultural. I trust that the church will span generations. I said today that it's exciting to see our young people sitting in here and hearing testimony of what God is busy with, because I trust that something of that will stir within them. I don't know when those seeds take root, and they look back at a time such as this, and are released. I love one of the things that came out of the Azusa Street Revival where the young kids who were not a part of what was happening, they were playing hide and seek in the Shekinah glory of what was going on around them, were the ones that had the most sustained ministries that came out of Azusa Street. But yet they weren't a part of it, they weren't the ones actively doing, they were just there. But God was busy ministering and, and speaking and envisioning and giving them dreams. A place where people will witness that ordinary men and women have been with Jesus. We see this in the early church and it says, and they looked upon these men and they were astounded that ordinary men and they knew they had been with Jesus. We go out to Kenya and people are astounded that ordinary men have been with Jesus. And I trust that in this place there will be something of an impartation of who Jesus is that even though we are ordinary, each one of us, that people will look at us and see the king and they will want what we have, which is more of him. Number 29, a place where we will see that the hand of God has done this. Isaiah, it says there, the poor and needy search for water, their tongues are parched. And he says, he will bring streams in the wilderness and plant the cedars, the acacias, the myrtles with pools of water so that people may know that the hand of God has done this. As we've been trusting for a, 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 a venue and, and the encouragement that I, uh, I shared with you guys, that Peter Rass shared over me, he said, allow the miraculous to come. 
so that you've got a, a miracle to hold on to when the, the venue comes. So we know that it's the hand of God that has done this. Number 30, a place of joy and life in abundance. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've come to bring life and life in abundance. A place of capacity where the bigness and, and majesty of God is realized. One of the biggest challenges that hinders the power of God is by us diminishing the significance of it. We need to be a people who are open to the bigness and majesty of God. Number 32, a place of peace that transcends understanding. <coughs> uh, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I trust that we will find that peace. Number 33, a place not of fear, but of supernatural faith. It's amazing how the early church, they were scared. So we ended off last week, but when they saw the manifestation of faith at work, believers were added to their number. It's amazing how the fear disappeared. Number 34, a place of extravagant generosity. I trust we're going to be a generous people. A place where people will come and find extravagant generosity. Number 35, a place where his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that there will be manifestations of heaven here on earth. Number 36, a place where the promises of God will be fulfilled. Hold unservingly to the hope that you profess for he who promised is faithful. Number 37, a place to find the Father where he will bestow identity upon people. There's only one way to the Father and that's through the Son. We have the privilege of crying out, Abba, Father, and we are co-heirs with Christ provided that we, are, we suffer with him. Trust that this will be a place where people find their true identity. Because when we walk in that identity, we go into the next one, a place where the name of Jesus will be spoken with authority. When we understand our identity, we get to speak with the authority of Jesus. Number 39, a place where the power of the Holy Spirit will manifest. When we understand our authority in Jesus, we walk in power of the Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And number 40, and this is where I want to end off on this one, and this was intentionally placed in this order, is a place where we actively contend for all of these things. We need to be a people who are intentional in contending for the things of God, the presence of God, the outworking of the things of God, and, and, and the reality is this list is a fraction of what we could do. And each one of these things, we can bring scripture after scripture and reference after reference that speaks life into these, into these things. And I'm trusting that each one of us will potentially just go back and reflect and add to this things that we want to we see. A place where widows and orphans are looked after. There's many different things that we can add to this list. 
But we need to be a people who actively contend for all of these things. Because the, the caution is, I don't want to be a person who turns around and beats up those who share the name of Jesus in a house that was built to house that name. So we hold each other in accountability. We hold each other to walk in truth and understand the fullness of our King. So I want to pray over us. I want to then put on a song for worship. and I want us to stand up and I want us to worship and allow some of these things to be massaged into our hearts. And then I want to take a moment for us just with some worship on in the background just to pray. Pray corpor corporately. Let's end off contending for these things. So Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for, for what you are busy with. I thank you, Lord, for the plans and the purposes that you have for the people in this region. For the broken, the hurting, the lost, the, the misguided. The fragile, Lord. The rebellious. The unlovable. I pray, Father, that you will bring them. And that they will find you. All of these points, Lord Jesus, point to you. And are about you and your kingdom. <clears throat> I pray, Lord, that we won't walk in the weight of this, that we're under pressure, but we will walk in the freedom, knowing that it is by your power and by your might and by your plans that prevail that these things come to fulfillment. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and, and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking of, is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Lord, I pray for your plans and your purposes to be established and for us to walk in those. May we never walk in our own wisdom, in our own vision, in our own plans, in our own desires, in our own strategies. May we just walk into the plans that you prepared beforehand for each one of us. I pray for your blessing over our people, Lord. I pray for each one of us for our revelation of you. You will just make us more in your image. You who began the good work in each one of us will bring it to completion, King. And Father, once again, I pray for the venue that you have in store for us, the many homes that we might have. I pray that each one of them will align with this list that you've given us, Lord. I pray for the, the many nations that are yet to be impacted, the churches that are yet to be planted from here, Lord for the regions that are yet to be impacted. I pray, Father, for you to go ahead and establish your foundation that each of these things is built upon you, Jesus, you and your Lordship. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <laughs>